Hello, this is Joe and TJ, and we are the Schoolhouse 302, and we want to welcome you back to Focus Ed for Season 4. We are truly excited. Focus Ed is a collaborative project with the University of Delaware, the Delaware Department of Education, and the two of us, Joe and TJ, at the Schoolhouse 302. TJ, tell our audience a bit more about Focus Ed. Absolutely. Focus Ed is a podcast that gets recorded with a live audience. We do 14 episodes every season. We're in season four, but you can find season one, two, and three on our site at theschoolhouse302.com. It's a professional development experience for anyone who wants to attend, and then we blast it out from our site. We interview great leaders, authors of popular books, and experts in teaching, learning, and leading so that you can lead better and grow faster in your school or district. Thank you for listening to Focus Ed, and we hope you'll join us live. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Focus Ed. Each episode of Focus Ed, we invite expert guests to join us. And this episode, we are totally stoked to have Danny Steele with us. Thank you for joining us on the show, Danny. Oh, I appreciate it. It's an honor to be with you guys. Thank you. Our focus is on what Danny calls the essential truths for school leaders. We want to know what they are and why they're often not apparent to our principals and other leaders in education. TJ, why don't you tell our audience a bit more about Danny? Sure thing. Thanks for that, Joe. Danny Steele's in his 30th year of education, and this school year marks his second as the principal at Homewood Middle School. Prior to this position, he has served as an assistant professor of instructional leadership, principal, assistant principal, teacher, and coach. In 2005, Steele was recognized as the secondary assistant principal of the year for the state of Alabama. And in 2016, he was recognized as Alabama's secondary principal of the year. He has presented at numerous state and national conferences and spoken in school districts around the country. Danny's written or co-written five books, He's an undergraduate degree in history from Covenant College and an MA in history from University of Alabama, Birmingham, and an educational specialist degree in educational administration, as well as a doctorate degree in educational leadership, both from Samford University. He resides with his wife and three children in Birmingham, Alabama. Okay, Danny, we want to jump right in. Like Joe said, you wrote a book called The Essential Truths for Principles. We want to know why you decided to write this book and why you thought it was needed for school leaders, but more importantly, why are these truths not as apparent as they should be for those who lead schools? Well, thanks again for allowing me to, to join you guys in this conversation. I initially had, you know, I co-wrote this book with Todd Whitaker, and we had initially connected through Twitter. I had a chance to have a face-to-face -face conversation at a ASCD conference in Anaheim, I think, in 2016. And Todd pitched this idea of a book of sort of essential truths. And these are like the core values that drive educators or things that we really believe are at the heart of education. And so initially, this book was going to be very broad you know, teachers, school leaders, you know, everyone in education, but in conversations with our editor, they really wanted to divide the book into essential truths for teachers. That became one book and then a separate book, essential truths for principals. And so the goal was just to try to clarify some of the things that both of us believed are at the heart of school leadership. And a lot of times I think educators who are in the trenches day in, day out, 
and as you know, it's a challenging, stressful job. It can be helpful to be reminded of, you know, why we do what we do and what is at the heart of what we do. In terms of it not always being apparent, that's a good question that I don't know that I've thought about a lot, actually. But I think, you know, a lot of everyone wants to be competent in what they do. Everyone wants to seem professional. Everyone wants to be on top of their game. And so oftentimes, you know, school principals, especially they might be new in the profession a little bit. They're so focused on doing what they think they need to be doing. They lose track of some of the why they're doing what they're doing. And so I think that's part of it. You know, another part of it is just like there's been so much talk in the last several years about teachers burning out and teachers being overwhelmed and the teaching profession being so hard and stressful. And it certainly is. Well, the same is true for school leaders, for principals. And there is so much that can be piled on top of what the principal needs to be doing that it can be overwhelming and daunting. And sometimes we can get swallowed up by the administrivia. And that can, I think, detract from some of the really essential things that we need to be focusing on. Danny, this audience primarily are administrators, you know, young in the profession of administration. Thinking about your truths, your why, can you share with them what drives you each and every day? You know, long career, successful career, still a principal, getting it done at a very high level. You know, what's driving you each and every day? I was an assistant principal for 10 years and some very affluent, high achieving suburban schools, but also some very challenging schools that did not have a lot of resources. So I experienced a very broad spectrum. I still love kids. And as an administrator, I've learned to love teachers. It can be a challenging transition for people who get into administration when they first become an administrator, whether it's assistant principal or principal, to realize what the new focus, the new shift has to be. As teachers, you know, we get into education to make a difference for kids. We're focused on the kids. We're loving on the kids. We're trying to win over the kids. And that's as it should be. The minute you become an administrator, we still love the kids. We're still making a difference for kids, but we now have to really focus on winning over the teachers, winning over the adults in the building. That has to become the new focus. And so I think maybe my fifth year as an assistant principal, I had students in my office. It was like a revolving door for discipline. And I was thinking about the fact that a lot of football teams, like my brother went to graduate school at Notre Dame, and he gave my boys these little sign replicas that say, play like a champion today. And this is a sign that's in the locker room that the football players will touch when they leave to go out on the field. And, you know, a lot of teams have a sign that they'll touch that's a message or a motto, a mission that they want everyone to embrace. Maybe it's rubbing the head of a statue. These things are symbolic. They're rituals. It's about owning a message. and I thought, you know, that sports teams shouldn't have monopoly on cool traditions. And so I emailed our staff and I said, if when students leave my office and they're headed back to class, if I were to have them touch a sign, what would you want to be on that sign? And what we came up with is I am the difference. And our carpentry class made this sign out of wood. It was above my door. And over the years, I've tried to cultivate this tradition of not just students touching the sign, but I've got a custodian that'll come by my office and touch that sign. I like for teachers to touch that sign. And so this concept of I am the difference, 
the idea that we all have that power every single day to transform the lives of the people that we interact with. You know, as a teacher, it's transforming the lives of kids. As a school leader, it's oftentimes about making a difference for the teachers, the paraprofessionals, the custodians, the secretaries that we're here to support. And I still get fired up every day. I love going to work. I'm fortunate to be able to work with great folks who are also passionate about what they do. But I've just never lost the love for the career that we have and the ability we have to make a difference for kids and also the adults in our building. It's a great quote, Danny. The sports teams shouldn't have a monopoly on neat traditions and powerful traditions like the one that you describe. And I think it's also a detail of an experience for those on the call that you can replicate things like that, things like mantras, things like touching a sign in schools to make it a neat place, to make it a difference for teachers and for students. So I know people will get a ton out of that. I want to go back to some of the essential truths, if you will. Do you mind picking one or two and telling us how you put them into practice yourself? I think maybe you were on your way to some of that, but I'd love to hear about how you live the truths as the author of the book. Well, I'm still a work in progress. And so I don't want any of your listeners to think there's never going to be a point where you have arrived. And so I'm still trying to get better. I'm still practicing. I'm still trying to walk the walk and live it out. You know, the things that I wrote, there's days that I am better and there's days I drop the ball on some of these things. You know, I think it's the first one that says instructional leadership is not about improving your teachers, but it's about creating the conditions where teachers can improve themselves. And I think so many times this gets back to sort of principals feeling pressure to provide that technical expertise for teachers. And I think one of the themes that I hope people would see in the book is a focus on culture. And so my goal, my like mission is to play a role in trying to build a culture where teachers feel empowered and inspired to try to be awesome, to try to create a culture where teachers are willing to be vulnerable and learn from their colleagues. They're willing to try new things in the classroom. If there's anything that they need, it's my job and my goal to try to get them those resources. If they're struggling with students in the classroom and their behavior, it's the administration's goal to figure out how to support them. So it's a focus on just creating those cultural conditions, building those relationships where the other adults in the building really do feel empowered to just crush it and make a difference every day. Danny, we appreciate that so much because we do hear so often right now across the nation, no one is you know, void of experience in this with teachers feeling overburdened. You started this podcast also with, you know, administrators feeling overburdened. Can you walk down that lane of culture creation, empowering teachers, just some very like granular things that you do on a weekday or weekly basis, you and your team to let that culture thrive, because it's not easy to build a culture of inspiration and awesomeness that, you know, thrives. Right. You might have days, you might have pockets, but to thrive takes concerted effort. Can you walk us through some of what you do and your team does to keep that culture alive? It's cliche to talk about relationships, but it's also, I think, irresponsible and like negligent to talk about leadership outside of the context of relationships. I mean, leadership, organizational leadership of any kind doesn't happen in a vacuum. 
Now, I'll be quick to say that I'm still in my second year at this school. And so I'm still in the process of building and cultivating relationships with staff members. So without question, the first priority has to be sort of building those relationships. You know, there's that adage with teaching that kids don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Well, one of the things I tell assistant principals when I have a chance to talk to them is fundamentally, there's not a lot of teachers in my experience that are just really looking for instructional leadership. Like fundamentally, what they're looking for first is support. And you can learn how to provide support, the type of support that your teachers need when you've built some rapport with them and when they're comfortable talking to you, when they're comfortable asking for help. So the importance of cultivating relationships and walking around you know, I talk in the book about the importance of walking around. And, and that's not just how you manage things. And that's just not how you see the floor needs to be mopped or there's a spill or there's a class that's not covered. The sub didn't show up. There's that management piece of walking around, but there's also a leadership component. You know, you don't build rapport with teachers through email. You don't build rapport in your office. You build rapport through walking the building and connecting with teachers on their planning periods and, you know, giving them a fist bump when you pass them at the class change. So that sort of building relationships, that has to be a commitment every single day of being out of your office, being in the building. It's very important that in terms of empowering teachers is you have to trust your staff. It's just, it's imperative that you trust your staff. Now, there's times that some staff members, they might blow it or they might, you know, make a bad decision. And then you have to deal with that. But one of my convictions is to give our staff members the benefit of the doubt to trust their professional judgment. And, you know, micromanagement is the quickest way to sabotage staff morale. And so when your teachers feel trusted by you, they're more likely to start coming out of their shell. They're more likely to propose ideas. If teachers give feedback, you have to deal with it. I'm not saying you have to change everything you're doing as soon as you get an aggravated email from a teacher, but you have to account for it. You have to have ways of processing that feedback negative or positive. If a teacher has an idea, I'm going to do everything I can to empower them to run with it. Yeah, let's try that. And so trusting your teachers, following up with them. I mean, those are some specific ways to try to empower them. Well, I think it's great, Danny. I mean, you talked about relationships, but you also talked a lot about the how and that you don't build them in the office space. You build them in the most important spaces in our school, which is the classroom and the spill out into the hall and the common areas. I wonder with that said, though, when we do talk about instructional leadership, if you could change the experience to improve how students are interacting with teachers in a school, what would you want to see done in every school? I think we have a little chapter in the book about there's not one program that's the problem in a school and there's not a program that's going to solve everything in the school. So ultimately, I think the magic is in the process. And it's about a culture of teachers collaborating. You know, the DeFores certainly, I think, were the pioneers with professional learning communities. That really is such a valuable process of the groups of teachers collaborating to identify the needs of students and how they're going to meet those needs. So I think that process of having a collaborative culture is really essential because that's the vehicle for any sort of organizational growth. I think it has to be that grassroots movement from the teachers who are actually doing the work. I think another thing that's really important, I think it's good when we can focus on what kids are doing and not what teachers are doing. 
You know, I did actually a formal observation yesterday and the teacher said, well, today might not be a good day because the kids are just doing the presentations. You know, I did all the teaching stuff yesterday. Today they're presenting. And I'm like, no, it's a great time because they can't do the presentation. You know, that's a reflection of the great work you did yesterday. So a focus on what students are producing, a focus on engagement, actual engagement and learning as opposed to just compliance. You know, as kids are really good at jumping through the hoops we give them, but oftentimes we're guilty of, you know, giving out work that's not that valuable. So those yeah. are a couple of the things I would like to see. Absolutely. I want to really underscore that point. You're referring to evidence of learning versus, you know, evidence of teaching. And with that last point, you want to see kids demonstrating the skills, the knowledge, what they've learned over that time. And I think teachers sometimes want to default to, hey, look at what I'm doing, because that's a skill set in and of itself. But as we move, and TJ and I talk about this all the time, into a learning culture versus a teaching culture, that's critical to get those kids up and let them show you exactly, look, this is what we've been doing for a week. Here we are. I've heard it said that until something is learned, nothing is taught. And yeah, I would also, in that same vein, I was a history teacher and I love history. And I was guilty of being just enamored with my content and what I was teaching. It's easy for teachers. My focus has mainly been on secondary. I think elementary teachers have an advantage here. And what I'm getting ready to say is kids are going to forget the content. Most of the kids, they might make A's, they might regurgitate all that content, but if we could all just have a collective focus on skills that transcend the content, skills can be lasting, that can have a big impact. But oftentimes we just focus on, you know, very superficial content. I mean, I know we have to teach courses of study and we got standards we got to teach, but when we can focus on skills, I think that's going to be content every day. Absolutely. Excellent point. Along that line, Danny, in terms of like developing a staff, getting to see that, could you discuss, you know, a favorite resource of yours that either supports teaching, supports learning or leadership in schools? Well, I'm a huge fan of Todd Whitaker. Before I ever met him in person, he was like my role model and my hero. So he has some great, very, very practical stuff for teachers. You know, what great teachers do differently is timeless. His book, What Great Principles Do Differently, had a huge impact on me. So, you know, I think everything he puts out is really, really solid. I will give a shout out to a book that one of my assistant principals is leading a book study with our teachers. It's called Hacking Student Learning. One of the authors is Star Saxton, I believe. I can't remember the other co-author, but I have loved, it's about focusing on sort of some small group instruction and, and stations at the secondary level. That's something that elementary teachers oftentimes have a monopoly on is, you know, those kidney tables and small groups, and it doesn't come natural all the time to secondary teachers. But I've absolutely loved how our teachers have jumped outside of their comfort zone and are trying to do some structure their classroom in ways that are different from what they're used to. They're having to give up a little bit of control. But the kids have been so engaged. When I walk into these rooms, the kids are, it fires me up to see how engaged the kids are. And so that's like a very current resource that our teachers are working on that I'm seeing a great impact. Yeah, we're big fans of Star's work. She's been on the show before, I think in season one, if I'm not forgetting that, Joe, and all of her work is fantastic. So we'll link that for our guests today and also for those listening in the future. Danny, I'm wondering, you mentioned, you know, Powerhouse, Todd Whitaker, Star Saxton, book studies. Is there a resource or a person outside of education who you follow for knowledge, wisdom, or inspiration? I don't know that this guy is outside of education. He's a professor, I think. 
I forget what university. It's a book study our leadership team in the district is working on right now by Adam Grant called Think Again. And I know he's a a pretty well-known guy, but this book, Think Again, I'm only on chapter four. We're sort of doing it like a chapter a month, but I'm absolutely loving that. And I love the way he challenges his readers to really be reflective on what we do and being willing to reconsider some of our traditional views, our traditional paradigms. I think that's an outstanding book and it's not necessarily a, just a stereotypical education book. Absolutely. Wonderful book. Adam Grant's a, an amazing thinker and I know TJ's a huge fan of his. He's up there with me, but I think TJ would drop me for Adam Grant in a heartbeat. You know, Danny, there's a lot of things out there. You know, we're talking about really taking our students to the next level. Is there a resource or title of a book you would like someone to write? I'll try to keep this succinct. I've tried to do more research in the last couple of years on topics related to equity and race in schools. And I feel like I've just sort of scratched the surface. I just feel that there are so many educators, so many teachers and school leaders who just have so much work to do in terms of just learning about what that means. If in your life, you've never been marginalized, if you've never been in the other category, it's hard to identify. And I know our teachers, even teachers who aren't very far along that continuum in their own professional learning, they love their kids. You know, teachers, for the most part around the country, they love all their kids. But it's a whole nother thing. It's a whole nother level to recognize the challenges that some of our students deal with and the unlevel playing field sometimes the different stack of cards that they're playing with. And so I know a lot of work. This is not an original you know, concept or a need. Lots of people have been writing about this, I know. But I really feel like there's still a lot of, sometimes my heart hurts to think about how far we still have to go in that area. Danny, I think that's a powerful place to land here. The need for us to do more work in terms of race and equity in schools. And I think what you were mentioning there is with ourselves, right? Not just the school, but with ourselves and introspection and reflection and empathy. And I think that's a really great place to finish up. But I wondered if there's anything else that you'd like to add for our live audience today or for our listeners who are going to get this recording in the future. Well, this is my 21st year in administration, and I still love it. And I believe that leaders really can make a difference. And so a shout out to all the leaders and aspiring school leaders out there. That work is important. I would just want to underscore it's hard work, but the heart work, the importance of the passion that you bring, the importance of the energy that you project in your building, and that it's not just about loving kids. We're educators because we love kids, but when you become a school leader, you got to love the adults and you've got to do everything you can to make their lives better in the school building. Well, that's fantastic. You heard it here, folks, on Focus Ed. It's hard work, but it's hard work. And it's about the passion that you bring. Danny Steele, everyone, how about a virtual round of applause from our audience? This podcast was brought to you by the Delaware Academy for School Leadership, the Delaware Department of Education, and the Schoolhouse 302. Don't forget to follow the schoolhouse302.com for podcasts, blog posts, books to read, and more. 
We'll be back soon with another episode of Focus Ed. Until then, stay focused. Hey, leaders, before you go, one more announcement. We now have available for you our candid and compassionate feedback masterclass. Really, because of high demand, we are thrilled to offer this. This is a course that we run live and in person all the time, and leaders love it. They learn to give feedback with skills that they can use right away, including better praise to lift and celebrate your team. It's now available in a virtual online format that you can take on your own, self-paced, from the comfort of your office or home. Here's what you'll get. There are 11 lessons with a focus on nine candor cancellations that we wrote in our Candid and Compassionate Feedback book. These are mistakes that leaders make that we don't want you to make anymore. We'll teach you models so that your feedback is meaningful and we'll give you tools necessary to build the culture that you always wanted. Trust us, without these critical skills, you're not capitalizing on your own capacity to lead better and grow faster. Go to the site, theschoolhouse302.com, click on shop courses, add this course to your cart and start learning today.